Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs here, as always, with Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. Dan, what's new? Wow, I went from Danny to Dan. It was like I, I grew up in a span of like a second. Yeah, I like to keep you on edge, not knowing who, what I'm going to call you. So you have to pay attention. Yeah, no, that, that, that works. I mean, if the worst thing you call me is Dan or Danny, I think we're, we're doing okay. Well, on the air anyway. Exactly. What, what, what happens off the air stays off the air. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. This is, uh, this is normally a time of the year where I'm just miserable as far as basketball is concerned, but little, uh, little game in, in Africa, mm-hmm. get, to, get to see a little bit of basketball. Did you watch that game? Weather's been nice. Did you wake yeah, up yeah, early and get your popcorn just, ready? Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I didn't wake up early so much as I DVR'd it and came back and got oh, to it. Oh, I woke up, man. I was so excited. I couldn't wait a second longer. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a long night dealing with a, a broke down car the night before. So, um, yeah, no, I, uh, I I took my time and and caught up on some much much needed sleep. So, did you enjoy the NBA Africa game? Absolutely. Um, anytime you can watch Joel Embiid go to a uh, pump fake drive by behind the back step back fadeaway jumper against live competition um i I think it's it's good for all involved i felt like he was trying to do absolutely everything humanly possible that you could do and it was wonderful (laughs) It, it reminded me of i don't know it reminded me of like the giant with like all the other people running around following him because he just was, mm-hmm. he just stood out so much compared to all the rest of the competition. Although there, the the good. Well, say so the one thing I was going to take away from that is, I I I think I've retweeted like two or three different pictures from Joel Embiid's first interaction at NBA Africa in 2011. This guy has gone from the like literally not playing basketball seven years mm-hmm. ago to like one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anything on this planet where you, you could do it for seven years and be like, Oh, okay, no, it's cool. I'm one of the best in the, in the total world. This one particular yeah, thing. Well, he must've put in like, his 10,000 hours, I guess. I don't know. Well, one of the things that right? I enjoy about watching Joel and play is that even though he did come late to it, he clearly loves it. And that you could, that just, comes through and the way he plays i mean he <laughs> what doesn't that guy love that guy has fun like like getting up and taking a shower like <laughs> that, that dude is the happiest guy on the face of the planet it's it's petting great. leopards or whatever kind of yeah. cats they were visiting yeah I, I think the whole nba africa thing is really cool and you know uh amino has spent a fair amount of time in africa this summer because he had his camp several Several weeks before, or at least, you know, the month before, he had his camp in Ibadan, and then they came back down to the 
Africa game in uh, South Africa. It was part of the Nelson Mandela 100th uh, birthday celebration. But just, mm-hmm. I think part of the fun of watching the game is they show all the other activities that all, everybody was involved with during the week. And you get to see, like, um, they had Harrison Barnes going out and going to lunch. And just, it, it was it was fun to watch all that. But what did you think of our guy, Aminu? Did you uh, enjoy his highlights? Oh. <laughs> poor, poor Aminu, because he didn't have the... He didn't have the best okay, game. Okay, so he had, um, what did he have, five steals and six rebounds and two points? He was good on the defensive end. He was. Absolutely. He the, Offensively, it was... Uh, it was a struggle. Yeah, that that uh, that, that three-pointer that, that's <laughs> the end to all tie over the game. Twitter that was, was the best. Oh, God. <laughs> he missed it. Was it. Just... For people who missed it, he missed it so bad. It went off the top of the backboard, and it was it was like... The the count the clock was ticking. Nick Young was angry about that shot. <laughs> it was, it was. A spe- like, I mean, when oh. he missed, he when he misses, he really. It is a spectacular he really misses, miss. and it really it keeps it interesting. But what I was watching, so he had like I said, five steals in that game, and a few of them led to transition buckets. And he's mm-hmm. he, he's not usually the person on the Trailblazers. Who starts those Ooh. transition steals, or, or finishes with them? Either right. Well, <laughs> and he had he had an, at least one assist off of one of them too. Like he got down, back down, and got an assist. But I just, I just have don't recall seeing him in that position. Of course, Javale McGee was also shooting three pointers, so it was there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. I on love the court. NBA in the summer because you get stuff like that where guys will try anything. Yeah, I think he um, made yeah. one. I can't remember or not, but I was thinking of this. I saw uh, Andre Drummond the other day said he's going every day at every practice or every shoot around wherever he's at. He's hitting 200 corner threes before he leaves. Oh, like like Andre Drummond yeah. is all of a sudden shooting threes. <laughs> if you remember a few years ago, there was a video at surface of Stephen Adams at practice hitting like 12 straight threes or something uh-huh. like that. Like everybody talks about like non shooters, and this is where you see like the experimentation stuff happen. I that's what. I, for all these stupid montage workout videos, there's a lot going on in the offseason that these guys do. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really awesome when you get to see them try things. Because everybody talks about, well, this guy can do this, this guy can do this. In an NBA setting, in the regular season, playoffs, such as that, you, you're, you don't get the opportunity to do that. This is when these guys get a chance to actually, the, the, the hours they put in to, to try to figure this all out. This is when you get to try to see them try it. And the guys like Embiid, they will. Uh-huh. Like, like, hey, I learned a new move the other day. Let me go ahead and book this in. Like, there was he went to a camp with uh, I think it was Akeem uh, two years ago when he when he first came back from the from his first injury, and there was a clip of him doing a dream shake almost perfectly. Uh-huh. No, that's one of the things that like, fascinates some of the me most about advanced him footwork you've ever seen. how much of basketball he's learned from YouTube and how well he can recreate it. It's really astounding. Oh, he's a sponge. Yeah, and I don't mean that he, like in a mean way, sponge. like, oh, he learned it off YouTube. No, no, he's a guy who watches tons and tons and tons and tons of a video. But wait, to bring it to the Trailblazers, can you think about uh, in years past, in you know summers past, a player who has added Easy. something? I know Wesley yep. Matthews always used to add something. Yep. But like, what's the one thing that you? That is the best the example. To you? The West Matthews is by far the best when example. When he added the not three, not just in Blazers history, 
No, no, no all the way through. Okay. Like Just this is a guy who was an undrafted. Yeah, every, he was an undrafted free agent. Goes to camp, does everything he can to stick with the Jazz. Works with uh, Jeff Hornacek day after day after day to be, f- be able to find a way to stay on the court to develop a three point shot. He becomes successful at that. Well, now he's a legit three and D guy. But beyond that, what does he have? So then he learns, you know, how to attack a closeout, little pump fake and little little uh, pull up. Then he adds a, a hesitation dribble and the ability to get to the rim. Nothing special, but just one go-to move. And every year, every year. And then he adds the post game. I mean, everybody remembers what, what he did to James Harden in, in the playoffs in 2014. They, they, they played fine James Harden on, on defense, and West posted him up with something like, was it six straight possessions? Like, from a guy who literally had no post game coming into the NBA to posting up a guy in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. Like, that level of development, that's like... I think that skews the board for everybody else is because a guy like Wes Matthews or a guy like Joel Embiid can develop something that they never had previously. So, sim- not necessarily simply, but they make it look simple that I think a lot of people think that, you know, if you just put in the time, you can make this happen. Well, you can make this stuff happen. Like that video of Steven Adams shooting those threes. All of these guys in the NBA can shoot in practice. Right. It's a very, very different or circumstance. Or from their driveway. We have getting, a really very nice yeah. uh, history of Nick Stauskas hitting a whole bunch of threes from his driveway. Yeah, exactly. Like, these guys are unbelievable. Like, even the, some of the worst shooters in the league will, in practice, they will just sit there and can from all over the floor. Like, it's... It's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is why I, I, I love the summertime. Is you, you get to see some of that experimentation, and you see that trial and error and, and where these guys have developed these things. And I, I think those are those are my favorite things that come out of every summer. For um, Specifically, let's take a look at a recent one, uh, Damian Lillard. The ability to get to the free throw line. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't just, like, the refs didn't all of a sudden start giving him credit. He learned how to adjust his body, how to jump later, that's, that's another thing that gets overlooked when you talk about like, like uh, fine-tuning mechanics and stuff like that. Somebody can be really good at getting to the rim, but like when you take off and where you take off from, if you go too early, if you go too late, if you go off, quote-unquote, the wrong foot, there's no wrong foot. It's, it's either right-footed or left-footed, but how some people interpret that. Um, to the, the best possible scenario to generate free throws or to get a better shot opportunity. Like these little microcosms that, that get changed around that make it so much more beneficial. I think a lot of that stuff doesn't necessarily show forth night in, night out until you look at this, like, you know, midway through the season, you're like, wow, Dame went from not getting really to the free throw line all that well to being one of the best in the NBA at it. Well, like, where did that come from? Maybe Aminu will start generating transition offense from his steals. Hey, I'd be Maybe all for it. I would love on. the Blazers to be able to generate some, some free points. Uh, one uh, little note for people who are interested in off-season stuff. I listened to the Hoops Hype, Hype podcast with Alex Kennedy, and he had Drew Hanlon on. Drew Hanlon, who works with uh, Myers Leonard, amongst other people. Also, Joel Embiid and um, lots of other Jason guys. Tatum uh, and Kelly Oubre. It was so fascinating. And if people there. are interested in that type of thing, it was a really good, deep, deep look in, um, to 
how he does his work and how he chooses the players that he works with and how much he has to uh, believe in and like a player before he chooses to work with them. And uh, it was just really good. So if, if people are looking for content over the summer, because I know things slow way down, that's the Hoops Hype podcast and um, Alex Kennedy interviewing Drew Hanlon. I thought it was fascinating. But let's talk about somebody in the Blazers organization who's also been very busy this summer giving lots and lots of interviews. Like everywhere you turn around, <laughs> you we hear from the Blazers Oh, he's. I keep someone to call him general manager, but he's not the general manager. President, President of, of Basketball, Basketball Operations. Operations, PBO. The Po Bono. The PNO, the PBO. Uh, Neil mm-hmm. Olshay uh, recently sat down with Brooke Olsendam and talked about this offseason. Lots of nuggets in the. Um, in the interview. So I pulled out a couple that I would love to get your thoughts on. And I bet you, you've got mm-hmm. lots to share. I bet you, you've got thoughts, Dan. Am I right about no. that? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> well, so I'm just going to dive right in. <coughs> One thing he talked about was, uh, the trade exception, uh, which recently expired his, uh, what exact words were, we thought for sure the Allen yeah. Crab trade exception would have huge value in the league. And like I said, teams are just not in the business of giving up quality players the way they were because I think everybody understands they're going to have to pay the freight this summer for what everybody did back in 2016. And there just wasn't as many pieces in the marketplace to do the absorption deals we've seen in the past. Lots going on there. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that, Neil. Um, Oh, that's a pretty good. That was a pretty good old shape. I'm not even gonna lie. You, you get the inflection just Thank right. You, Dan. Um, so a lot, a lot of things to take away there. Um, so the first part is they got it dead wrong. Um, that they thought that which, the, the the trade exception would have huge the TP, value. Yeah. yeah, like did they did what I what I was trying to figure out what did that's this what they're make? saying. Is, that's what they're saying publicly, right? And and like like I. I mean, does that does that imply that other teams were like, we have players that we don't want to have on our roster anymore, so we can we can trade them to Portland because look, they have this big trade exception that they can use. Um, is that what he was? There's implying? a couple of ways that I'm looking at. I, I, there's a couple of ways, ways that I'm looking at this. Like, that could be one way, but one one of the things that I was thinking about as I read this over and over and over again because I was just pushing my face into my hand as he said it. Um, how many times have Neil O'Shea and the Blazers recently admitted mistakes? Zero. Why is it all of a sudden this one is something they're admitting a mistake on? I don't know. Do you have a good conspiracy theory? I, I think it, this is because it's such a minute thing that they could throw this out there as like, hey, we made a mistake. Oh, Sorry. What? What? That that something that everybody has been asking for is to have Neil O'Shea admit mistakes. They, they're never going to admit the mistakes of 2016. Uh-huh. I know that was amazing I mean, even, how we he, tw- like, turned it around. He, like everybody, I think else everybody up. understands <laughs> they're going to have to pay the freight this summer for what everybody. I'm doing air quotes right now. Did back in 2016. No, not what everybody did, Neil. What you, Mitch Kupchak, and somebody else did. That's that's the extent of it. There's like four teams that made horrifically just terrible, awful, no good, brutal contract yeah, offers. N- not everybody. Definitely not yeah. everybody. Well, um, and I asked. So, yeah, that, that's that's my conspiracy theory about it. That's because interesting. I just, so you think that maybe they're they, like, well, they don't ever, we'll, we'll claim this one. 
we'll claim that we got this yeah, one wrong. Because in, in the reality, at least in, in my mind, like we talked about it off air a ton. Like I never thought the TPE was really going to be used. Mm-hmm. I just, there was no way with the writing that was on the wall that they were willing to add money. And now had they made a move like moving Harkless or moving Myers or something along that line to where bringing in a contract like Wilson Chandler's that was 13 million as opposed to Harkless's 10, but they got a first round pick out of it. And then they could find a way to slash that payroll at the trade deadline to get under the, the, the uh, tax line, which would be doable. It would be difficult, but be doable. Um, the extra first round pick may have been enough to justify doing it. But the the idea that the TPE was ever going to be used just well right I mean if they were it never made why sense why wouldn't they have just kept Alan Crab then I mean were they worried about Alan Crab uh, clogging up Pat Connaughton's development I mean that's my next question no <laughs> like, I think they immediately knew after Crab got paid that he wasn't going to be the answer and that they needed to move on from him sooner rather than later because his development was going to stagnate they needed to go quickly. Because it was going to get... I mean, that's... Like, a, we're at the point right now where Evan, Evan Turner's contract is unmovable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's... Really? It's is it? I mean, they moved... Mo- was it yeah. Mozgov's? Okay. What's the difference? Everything is movable if you if you attach a, you know, a 20-point-per-game score to it. Okay. Like, <laughs> okay, so that's why... Because but, I have heard... I've seen people talking about, well, they've moved, you know, the all the other bad contracts have been moved. Yeah. Okay, sure. You, you could move Turner's contract... Maybe if you put Collins and like a first together. Okay. So they've been like moved the, because sure. they've been attached to value, valuable things, which Plurot yeah, has never like been Yeah, was attached to, to D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. Like Russell, what, what you think of him, you know, notwithstanding, he was a top tier pick on his rookie deal who was showing the potential to be a 20 point per game scorer and a, and a, if not a prototypical scoring guard in the NBA, a guy that would be that secondary option. Uh, and if you're the Nets, you were looking to get young talent for taking on those bad deals. So, yeah, uh, I mean, that's you want to talk about the price of freight. There you go. <laughs> there was just a lot of good, colorful phrases used in that whole tune, like the absorption deals we've seen in the past. Is that is that like a technical yeah. term that they use? I wasn't sure. Like he um, said it confidently enough that I thought maybe that's something that they throw around when they're like, "Well, let's do, what about if we uh, have to do an absorption deal." As opposed to one that was just made yeah, up on I'm the sure I'm sure they say that like you know they say absorption deals say hey we'll take your crap mm-hmm. you know yeah <laughs> I, I I bet you that's that's probably what they avoid um, still though um, my favorite word is, is is much 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 clearer good old uh, sublimate oh yeah right right sublimate uh, no I still but bifurcate is still my favorite I'm still gonna. I mean, that was from a previous press, press conference, but that's still my favorite word of the year. I think he's trolling us at this point. <laughs> it could be. Well, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, the other thing that he talked about, or one, another thing that he talked about, which I alluded to, was, um, okay, here's this next one, about uh, not wanting to hold on to somebody so long that the player who was coming up and developing behind them wouldn't be able to flourish. Yeah. So this was where he threw Ed... Davis under the bus or just like was like we didn't need Ed or whatever like just kind of acted like Ed never brought anything to the team which was like okay he said uh, not not a fan of this we feel like we have internal solutions that will eventually be upgrades and that was the deal 
Ed is a veteran, and you can't bring Ed back and ask him to take on a reduced role. But if Ed comes back and plays the same role, it sublimates guys on the roster that we think have a higher ceiling and that eventually can bring more to the table. So I get the logic behind it. And then... I don't. Well, I mean... If if they're really trying to develop, they gotta give people minutes. I mean, that you're a team bereft of talent, and you're letting talent walk for basically nothing. right. But I think, and it's not it, it's this. It, if Ed Davis was actually in the way of Zach right. Collins developing, then I could believe that. But there's not six, seven front court right. guys. He wasn't in the way. There, he there's, was there's helping four. it. <laughs> yeah. He was a huge important and, part of it. <laughs> So, and this is this may come as a surprise to people, but there was a name that was pretty much out of the entire press conference. I only heard his name mentioned twice, and it was about the veterans coming to summer league, and that's Myers, Myers Leonard. Mm-hmm. I think the ulterior motive here for letting Davis go is that they want Myers to play, um, and that may sound crazy to some of you. Um, and by, so when I say they, I mean Neil Olshin. Mm-hmm. I believe he wants. Myers to play to show that he either has value or he doesn't so that they can either capitalize on that value either on the floor or in the trade mm-hmm. market or they can find a way to move on from him. Mm-hmm. It's, I, this is like a make or break and I think they want to they want to see what they have in him uh, as far as asset value um, as far as the basketball side of things. What's the most common critique for Portland outside of consistent wing play? Is it shooting? Because I think it's shooting. Well, aside from Damon CJ, you mean, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. So what does Myers Leonard possibly give you shooting? So by moving Ed Davis, yes, you allow Zach Collins to get a few more minutes. It's not like Zach Collins is going to take Ed Davis's 18 minutes. That's not happening, folks. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to see Zach Collins playing 36 minutes a night. If, if the Trailblazers are, a lot of things have happened, and it's either gone really well, and Zach Collins is a future all-star, or things are going very badly. Because they're, they're, for him to get going from playing 16 minutes and giving you four and three a night to giving you 36 minutes a night, that's that's kind of a okay, stretch. Okay, but I want to go, I expect I Collins, go back to what you're saying about Myers, though. Because uh, um, Myers... Like, why did they let, you know, if, if he's talking about being so concerned about player development, you know, CJ was one example of somebody that they waited too long to put in. Like, you know, Myers doesn't fit into that whole storyline. Myers is kind of an outlier. He does if, and this is another thing that Olshay brought up during the press conference, the difference between trust and talent. I don't believe the coaching staff in Portland has much trust in Myers Leonard anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk to guys around the league, if you talk to, Guys that work out with Myers Leonard, who, who work out with him in the summer and scrimmage against him, they will tell you that Myers Leonard is plenty talented. Mm-hmm. It, there's not a talent deficiency there. People may laugh. People may giggle. People may question that. I don't care. These are guys. These are players and, and executives and personnel around the league that I have talked mm-hmm. to. Like, Myers Leonard does not have a talent deficiency. Um, and I think what Olshay was alluding to there was if Ed Davis isn't there, if somebody else isn't there to take minutes away from Myers, that there's no other solution that you just trust the talent and let it find a way. Jeff Goldblum, it just 
Let Myers find a way. So moving on from Ed isn't just about... Was twofold. Isn't just about it, yes. uh, getting out of the way of Collins's incredible development that we're oh. going to see this year. It's yeah. going to be about, uh, like you said, like sort of make or break with Myers. Either what he needed was and time also, to also do the it money. or he can't. Like if you wanted me to rank it in, in things that meant the most to the Blazers, it's probably one money. Two Zach Collins, three forcing um, the coaching staff's hand with Myers mm-hmm. Leonard. Well, what did you think about uh, when he said that it took too too long to get CJ into the rotation? Um, Do you well, agree? I mean, in a sense, sure, but um, not over Wes Matthews. If right. he's talking about over Aaron Aflalo after Wes Matthews tore his Achilles, uh-huh. okay. But then again, he has to remember that he was the guy that made the move for Aaron Aflalo, right? So. Yeah, I, that you that know. one didn't ring real true with me. I was like, I think because yeah. like CJ's whole first year, he was injured. He was injured, and then the second yeah. year, you know, he got a little here, got a little there. Um, I, did he get injured again? I heard rumblings from out of practice that he that he looked good uh-huh. when he was in his first two years, but he did have problems with his feet, uh-huh. and he did have an incumbent two way. Terrific player, yeah, a good incumbent in that, West that, in was, that was well matched with the rest of the main people. Yeah, this on the is roster. an Ed Davis situation. Yeah, like Ed Davis is, is a is a reserve big, and I granted a fantastic reserve big. West Matthews was a true dyed in the wool starter mm-hmm. that damn near any team in the league would take. Yeah. He was a forty percent three point shooter who could guard one through three. Yeah, like what 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 more do you want? Yeah, that one didn't ring real so, real true with me, but I wanted to gauge what you thought about that. Yeah, no. Like I, I no. Not that we have he, to agree. Wes but. <laughs> Wes wasn't got to remember that uh, when you're talking about Neil O'Shea. It's about his guys. Mm-hmm. Wes Matthews was not his mm-hmm. guy. CJ's his guy. Nick Batum not his uh-huh. guy. LaMarcus Aldridge not his guy. Mm-hmm. CJ was his draft pick. Dame was de facto his draft mm-hmm. pick. Myers Leonard, his draft pick. Zach Collins, his draft pick. Like his draft picks are 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 his preciouses. Yeah. That that that's his that's his ring right there. Like he will not let those guys. How many? The Will Barton and Alan Crab. And here's here's the, like, the crazy thing here is that they gave away or he gave away Will Barton, one of his guys, uh-huh. for Aaron Aflalo. Mm-hmm. So you you want to talk about like trying to create space and make room for your guys and guys that showed out. Like I heard a lot about Will Barton at practice. Right. Not only did he get rid of Will Barton, he also didn't give really CJ any more playing time until Wes went down. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I question that a little bit. Like uh, good point. So yeah, that's that's kind of weird right there. I get what he's saying because it sounds really good in hindsight. Like, hey, you know what? We knew CJ was great from day one. <laughs> we should have got him out there earlier. Oh well, like, so there's another thing of, that they that they said they did wrong. That he said that they did wrong. So there's there's two I, things again. But what <laughs> what impact does that have? It's right. very very yeah. very minimal. If they, and neither has anything to do really with the current state of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so more so, rhetoric than anything else. Yeah. I have one last question on Neil's press conference, and I just knew as soon as he said that, I just could picture you firing up your computer and start making your list. He said, <laughs> we identified five wings that all had playoff experience or veteran wings we thought we could get for the taxpayer <sighs> mid-level exception, and they all got more than the taxpayer mid-level. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Who, okay, so, so who do you think those five wings were? 
Okay, so give me a second here. I just thought of something. I did have... Um, and tell me that you did immediately fire up your computer and start going and making a uh, list. I, I did. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I started to look at it. And, uh, you did the like crack your knuckles thing and then moved your fingers. Yeah, it was full on. Like, <laughs> wait a second. So, like, I actually put it out a tweet that Olsha said in his interview with Brooke Olsen that Portland targeted five wings in free agency. He recruited and pitched them all and got, and all of them got more than the 5.3 taxpayer MLE they had to offer. And now I have to go check what five playoff veteran wing free agents got more than 5.3 million okay. this offseason. So, what's the list? Now, I, I had um, responses. That included Hizonia, Bellinelli, McDermott, uh, Ellington, Joe Harris, um, Tyreek Evans, Bielitsa, Dante Cunningham, James Ennis, Urson Ilyasova, Anthony Tolliver, Gerald Green, Rudy Gay, Gary Harris, Will Barton. I think that was the full list of everybody that was sent to me. And I narrowed it down really to... There's a ton of guys you can remove there. If you're talking about playoff caliber guys, throw his own off there. He's never been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, Dante Cunningham is a, a power forward. Stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Tolliver, again, power forward. Stop. Um, so you start getting down to like who who got close. Well, Wayne Ellington was 6.2 million. Tyreek and oh, uh, I love JJ Wayne Reddick. Ellington. And, I mean, again, not, these are these are guys who I think would help Portland mm-hmm. a ton. Um, uh, Tyreek Evans, $12 million one year. Reddick, $12 million one year. Ariza was the big money guy, one year, $15 million. Rudy Gay, one year, $10 million. McDermott, I think, was right on the line um, as far as like what you would consider. He did get some playoff time with Oklahoma City uh, Thunder. But, I don't know, he got paid decently well. He was the only one that really got multiple years out of anybody. He got $7 mil, uh, or a little over $7 mil a year on a three-year deal. Uh, Marco Bellinelli got a two-year $12 million deal, so he got $6 million per. All of those guys are more than the 5.3 that Portland had to offer, if you believe that. So then you take a look at that. So you um, think that the, that there just wasn't even... there's Like, like if you were working in the war room there at, on uh, during free agency and they said, Dan, go get us a list of five wings that have playoff experience who we can get for, we can reasonably expect to get for the mid-level exception, which for us is $5.3 million. You would have been like, yep. who? And and you you maybe could have come up with uh, McDermott, Ellington. Belly. Bellinelli, Mbamute. Well, remember, I, I, I left Mbamute oh, out because it. he took... He took less He's the one. than what Portland had to offer. Yes. So, it, so one person so, you think would have actually maybe been, he's about the only if one. That was somebody, if that was somebody who, again, and, and here's the other thing, is Mbal Mute took less and is playing in Los Angeles, and not for the Lakers, mm-hmm. for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the big-time exposure of the LeBron Lakers. You're the Clippers where you've got tax hell in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um worse than a situation in Oregon and for everybody who's going to get all irritated about the economics and millionaires paying taxes I don't care I'm talking about free agency mm-hmm. <laughs> that stuff matters to these guys the difference between playing in Texas or Florida or basically anywhere else in the country is a massive difference in money um, so you have a hard time believing that there were five wings that all had playoff and veteran experience that could have been gotten that were going to be for that yeah. price 
Yeah, I just I don't think those guys ever really existed in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now they could have written five guys down. Yeah. I don't doubt that at yeah. all. Uh, but there was a point in that where Olshay said, like, it's not like we went down our list and got progressively worse guys that were, or or less valuable guys on our on our list. Well, yeah, you did because <laughs> you didn't get any of those five. If you wanted the other guys. You would have had them on well, your I list. Well, I took that to mean like, that they just pivoted to a different strategy, which was to get shooters. Which was to get a, a wingish uh, Nick Stauskas on a on a vet minimum on the first day. Like that's that's weird. Yeah, that. Yeah, it seems like if they, they would have, they made maybe would have taken a little bit longer. That was kind of like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. And then you look at the the order of events. Gary Trent Jr. All of a sudden's got. You know his contract done, and that's the 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 that came out of the MLE money. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they were they were like I be, I had to look at the sequence of events, but if I'm remembering it correctly, I believe Gary Trent Jr. got his money before Emba Mute signed with the Clippers. I'll have to double check that. I'll verify it before we we, we post this, um, but I'm almost certain that's the case. Mm-hmm. And that I mean that seems a little bit weird. Like we again, you don't ever hear about the leaks coming out of, or you don't ever hear anything leaked about. Portland, unless the Blazers won it, uh-huh. but I never heard the Blazers tied to any um, wings other than Hazonia, and that was a cursory mention through um, mm-hmm. Woj. Yeah, so that we're not even sure if it was a real thing or if it was a slip up because that was when Woj accidentally yeah. tweeted it out that Portland had come to an agreement with it, and then he immediately followed up with New York. So. There's yeah. there's a bit of mystery behind there. So are you developing a, a conspiracy theory about what this story is all about? <laughs> what it actually really means? Like what their real what their plan? It sounds was? good. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. Yeah, that's that's how I look at it. It's um, it's not pretty. So I I, I just looked and Gary Trent Jr. signed. Um, yeah, he signed his contract beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Gary Trent Jr. signed on the sixth, and then there was there was a. There was a couple things that I noticed uh, again that from from Olshay's press conference where he highlighted July fifth as like the day. He mentioned July fifth a couple different times. Okay. Well, just so just coincidentally enough, a day later, Gary Trent Jr. signed his deal. So they pivoted pretty damn hard to uh, you know away from those five wings very quickly. If July fifth was the day, and then you know your second round pick who doesn't have guaranteed money all of a sudden had a three-year guaranteed money deal out of the MLE that you were supposedly using for those five wings or to pick up one of those wings from those five. How how much of any of that was dependent on what Nurkic did? Were they Are they completely separate or did they have to be taken into account together? No, I, I think they were separate entities. Uh-huh. Um, it couldn't have been like they'd been reached a place with Nurkic where they realized how much they were going to have to spend and I think they knew a while ago. Uh-huh. Remember, we, we, we had talked about this off the air, whether it was the the toxic method was obviously Nurkic getting the, the 12 million or the uh, qualifying mm-hmm. offer. And you asked me what number was the right number for Nurkic, and it was 12 million. And if you really pressed me and, you know, broke the fingers, then 13. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I wasn't I wasn't budging. And lo and behold, the number they landed on was slightly over 12. Mm-hmm. So, um I think they they they've known that number for a for a couple weeks. Um, okay, well, between uh, the the Blazers and Nurkic's agent. Right. W- anything else you want to remark on about the press conference? So, like, it's not a secret that I don't necessarily care for how Neil O'Shea 
gets defensive about a lot of things um, when, you know, he was the one that created the situation or is the face for putting himself in those situations with the summer of 2016. But when he started to talk about the... The first like four minutes of that interview with Brooke. Yeah, that's right. That was that was a very different Neil Olshade than I had seen in any other the other press conferences, interviews, or anything like that. Like, he was endearing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I was, it was it was it was really strange. I, I, I instead of finding myself squinting, rolling my eyes, sighing, or face palming, he had me like nodding in agreement for him. What do you like, think it was okay, about what, what he saying. was saying that that made you feel that way? It sounded honest and genuine. Okay. And I know that sounds awful, but I I just don't... Like him and Danny Ainge and Doc Rivers um, are three guys that with their talking, I just don't trust them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are some of the best in the league. And this is, this is, this is going to sound like a shot, but I think it's credit to them because I think that's their brand. Yeah, that's what they're supposed they to are, do. They are continual positivity salesmen, and they're good at mm-hmm. it. Like that's, I just want, like, I, it's weird. I, I don't, I don't know how to put it any other way. I, I, I thought that the first couple minutes were very, very different than anything I had seen from him previously. Um, when discussing the blazers, huh? I, I would just, I'm, I'm curious to, I now I got to go back and watch it again because I'm wondering what it, what it was about it. Cause I, I did hear some people talk about when he did a few of the summer league interviews where he just was mm-hmm. kind of came in and just kind of talked off the top of his head. I did hear a few people say, well, he seemed really pretty, pretty genuine in there. Like he wasn't trying to sell us mm-hmm. something. So maybe it was just, you know, because it was the beginning of the interview and they were settling in and he hadn't gotten fully. It wasn't on a descriptive questions yet mode yet. Yeah. And he hadn't had to get defensive. I mean, he had to know, all, I mean, Brooke did a great job and he had to have known all those questions were coming and she did a really good job of, of asking him. Yeah. Those questions like, listen, this, this isn't a, a knock on the trailblazers again. This is how it was done. I mean, Brooke is an employee of the Portland trailblazers for anybody who doesn't understand that the Brooke works for the Portland trailblazers. This is not an interview mm-hmm. where Neil O'Shea was pressed by a reporter. Yeah. So it wasn't going to be the hard hitting, like, gotcha. No. And this, <laughs> And those questions are going to be vetted. They're going to be understood. They're going to set the table for Neil O'Shea to lay out basically his state of the union or his agenda. Like that's what that was. Um, and I, I honestly, I think it was better than I anticipated. Obviously there were some things in there that made me just, huh? obviously the TPE being the biggest one. Um, but I, I thought Brooke did a fantastic job. And like I said, there were times in that interview where, like Olshay had me nodding my head, and that's the first time maybe that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. So, like, m- I, if he was more like that more often, I, I think he would probably get a lot more slack. Maybe not a lot more, but a little bit more. Um, I know it's impossible, but if 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 they ever came out and admitted the mistakes of 2016, and the reason you can't do it are, are, are multiple. Obviously, you're you're talking about guys that are still on your roster, and you're calling them a mistake. That's not that's not going to go over well. Um, but like if, if he's here beyond those contracts and they ever and he ever talks about those like publicly, I, I think that would go a long way towards repairing a lot of a lot of the issues. Mm-hmm. As weird as that may seem. I was really hoping you were gonna work sublimate in there somehow. Uh, I was gonna try no, to, but I really I, can't uh, honest, to be honest, yeah. I cannot figure out how to use that word correctly in a sentence and I wouldn't want to try. But okay, so the the off season is what it is you know, barring some, you know, total shock, uh, the, the deals are done. The major things have gone kind of a snoozer. 
you know, league-wide, there was a lot of excitement, but for in Portland, I personally thought it was a little bit of a of a snoozer. Crickets. Um, I wrote a thing on in uh, Blazers Edge about it today, asking people what they mm-hmm. thought was the most exciting Blazers off season. And I, I chose the word exciting carefully because I didn't mean it. I didn't necessarily mean it needed to be the best. Just like which one was the most exciting. So, in your opinion, what was the most exciting Blazers off season? Um, I kind of rule out the obviously the one that I wasn't alive for, and that's setting up the uh, Blazers championship year. Um, I was a child when Clyde Drexler was drafted. So those those are all great and everything. But for me, like the the formative years of, of my, my Blazerhood, um, I think it was what, 97, the the groundwork that was laid for the 99-2000 team. Mm-hmm. So you, you get you get Pippen, you get Rashid, like you start really building Pippen didn't this come franchise. until 99. I'm sorry, no, no sorry, it was 99, thank you. Yeah. Um, one of the that was one of the most popular answers was 1999. That was yeah. one I brought up because that was the year they traded six players for Scottie Pippen, and then they got Stacey Ogman back, which was the best part of it. I loved that. The the plastic. Yeah, <laughs> I loved that. Yeah, um, that was definitely um, that was definitely exciting. Yeah, that was a fantastic one. Um, 2006 and then 2007. Um, Brandon Roy for me was was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, like trading. Trading Tyrus Thomas and Victor Kuryapa for LaMarcus Aldridge was had me through the roof. I had watched like you were uh, truly excited about that. Like you thought it was exciting. Oh, yeah, like no, the, the definition of what yeah. I was asking was like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah. What's going to happen? Yeah. Okay. I I was a huge LaMarcus fan at Texas. Uh-huh. Um, ironically, at the time, I thought he'd be more Marcus Camby than anything else because he was a Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, real long, mm-hmm. lean, lean as lean, can be. Yeah. Made Kevin he Durant look skinny. Uh, so I, I was stoked for that. Like, I was like, oh man, this guy could be one of, you know, a Marcus Camby type player. If he ever gets an offensive game, great, cool, awesome. Uh, and then Brandon Roy immediately became my, one of my favorite players of all time. And then who could forget Honk once or Honk twice? Yeah, 2008. Is that, was that the year? Yeah. The... So going into that mm-hmm. year with, uh, with Odin, or excuse me, 2007. Yeah. Um, he was drafted in 2007. Going I, into, okay. the, go, going into that year, um, I remember the draft lottery uh-huh. and when it came down to the final two and holy crap, the Blazers got the first pick. I remember screaming and yelling, j- <laughs> jumping up and down. I, I, I lived down the street from my parents and I ran down the street <laughs> to, to, to my dad's house, uh, to my mom and dad's house. And my, I remember my dad was, was up, up in his shop working and he had his stereo on. I'm screaming over the top of it. We got the first pick. So that's 2007 when they and got the first. Okay, setting up the yeah, excitement so, for the whole rest of the summer. Yeah. So it was just that that feeling of winning that lottery when it was. I don't think it, if you weren't old enough or you weren't really watching the NBA then, the Greg Oden and Kevin Durant were both can't miss. Mm-hmm. Like pe- people I just talk got in a fight like, with somebody taking... about this last night. <laughs> oh, it's God. never going away. Were, the, the, the idea that Kevin Durant was a can't-miss prospect who was going to win scoring titles. Like, that was the hyperbole that was 
tossed around him. Like, but obviously it wasn't. Um, and they still took Odin over him. Like, that's the level of which Odin was celebrated. Mm-hmm. Like, he was going to be the next, you know, David Robinson. Mm-hmm. He was going to just take the Blazers along with Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge to the promised land. So that whole period, along with the setup of the the uh, the ninety nine two thousand mm-hmm. team, was th- those were easily my two favorites. Yeah, those were two those were two uh, popular answers. Yeah, two thousand seven. I hadn't even thought of the added excitement of two thousand seven, where first the lottery happened and then the draft happened, and because I was thinking about the draft, but I hadn't thought about the extra excitement of the lottery. And I love the idea of young Danny winning the golden ticket and running <laughs> outside and mm-hmm. running over to your parents. I've got, we got the golden ticket. Yeah, that's 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 basically that's what, what it felt it was. like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was insane. I I literally was jumping up and down, screaming and yelling, mm-hmm. like I was. I was a maniacal child at that point. I just like I could not believe it. Um, <laughs> well, you were also pretty. Yeah, you was, were pretty pretty young at that time too. Yeah, I wasn't as uh, I wasn't as into the minutia of what the team was doing uh, back in in those days. So, like you know, had I had more time to think about it and you know read the whole entire history of it. I think that would have been one of my answers. But the thing that that I said was the the I thought that the uh, summer that Lamarcus left was really exciting because there were a lot of changes and it was a lot of new people that we had to figure out what's going on. I wasn't necessarily saying it was the best summer, but I did think it was exciting because there was a lot going on. Yeah, I, honestly. Um... I like busy summers. Yeah. <laughs> busy, busy summers are fun. That's why we're, that's why we're um, looking back, you know, 20 years to try to remember what, they, yeah, <laughs> what that know. feeling was I saw like. some people were talking about 2015 was a busy summer. I don't know if 2015 well, was a busy summer as much as it was just an exodus. No, that was no, the one I, I said because the there was a lot going on. And t- in terms of exciting, there was a lot going on. I don't know if that's really exciting. Yeah. Well, for me it was because, I mean, I was ve- I was sad to see – Lamarcus go, but I understood that there was going to be a new team built around Damien, and I really, 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 really liked Damien, and I was excited to see what that was going to be like. And and I just, for me, I also just really like learning about new players, and that was you know an opportunity to learn about a lot of new players because a lot of new players came in. But I get, I, you know, everybody's <sighs> there's no one right answer. That's why this is a good question because there's no one right answer. Of course, you probably think there's a right answer, but. <laughs> I don't believe that there's one right answer. Well, I think I think we There's always a right answer. <laughs> yeah, and it's yours, right? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I don't know we've I just thought what I implied was it well whatsoever. <laughs> no, but um uh but I know that's what you're thinking. <laughs> oh, okay. I I'm, I'm not wrong Fair about enough. that, am I? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, should we leave it off there this week? Yeah, let's touch on one last thing. Um, Vegas odds came mm-hmm. out because we, we love gambling here, and more than likely, gambling is going to be legal here in the state of Oregon oh. and sports betting here very, very soon. I have a whole host of things we need to discuss about that. Not tonight, because <laughs> I'm trying. I'm yeah, trying that's, to that's, understand the ethics that are going the way that we, things are going to be. How we're going to have to like suddenly, uh, yeah. There's discuss it openly. Yeah. <sighs> It's 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 gonna be a little weird yeah. for some people that aren't used to the 
openness of it, but I'll tell you what, if, you, if you're a soccer fan at all, you've been exposed to it your, the entire time you've been watching soccer, particularly, I mean, outside of the U.S. Well, I think, so. I think there's going to be a lot of unintended consequences, not all of which I necessarily think are going to be bad. Like, I don't mean like that mm-hmm. ominous, but I think there are going to be a lot of things that happen that nobody could have predicted, and I think a lot of them are going to have ethical implications. But let's talk about the odds that came out today. As an introduction. So, there we go. This, this will be the uh, the opening teaser trailer into the further gambling discussion. Yeah. Um, so, Portland came in at 41 and a half. Um, that's the over-under. For anybody not familiar, that's the that's not a projection. Right. okay. That's a betting line. These are the things that, that not, they think people are going... Th- these are based on how they think these people are, are going to set bets. bets. Yes, this is to entice bets. This is not a projection. Which is why the Lakers are um, ridiculously high. Depending on which book you look at, but yes, there there have been there have been some that uh, where one was the Laker was six uh, the the over was sixty two and a half. <laughs> so um, and then I think uh, the Las Vegas sports book, which is basically the, the prominent Las Vegas book. Um, that has Portland at 41 and a half, I believe had the Lakers at 48 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is not a take the under, take the over, uh, discussion because this isn't the 27 and a half that came out in 2014, 15, where that was, you want to get a betting line going. There you go. Um, I honestly, I think this is a fair line. Mm-hmm. Um, the early simulations that I've run, I have Portland at 43 and a half or just under, or just under 43 and a half, 43.4 is what I've gotten through the simulations and I'm running that through using last year's schedule. Mm-hmm. So once this year's schedule comes in, I'll go ahead and, and run it again and see what pops out. So you take um, the, you add the new players and take out the old players and run the simulations based on last year's schedule. Mm-hmm. That's how that, that's how that goes. That's how you that, get your numbers. That's what that. That's what I do every year until the new schedule comes out. And once the new schedule comes out, and I, I have a couple things that I factor in for back to back travel. Um, I do m- make my own manual adjustments um, to like for the... my final one. So if there's a back to back, say Sacramento uh, and the Lakers, uh-huh. and you're going from Sacramento to to play the Lakers on a Friday night or Saturday night. There's like an 85% <laughs> chance if, if the game the game is marked as a win against Los Angeles, but I'm going to go change ahead and it to change a loss. That, yeah. so, because, because Saturday Night Night Life in Los Angeles <laughs> on a back-to-back is damn yeah. near undefeated. Do you also make manual adjustments based on player like improvement from one year to the next? Or do you do any I adjustments do that, of the yes. player's actual numbers? You do. I do that on my own personal model when I'm trying to factor in like okay i don't use uh plus minus or rpm i use my own metrics that i've worked with different people on um like zach collins has had a negative rpm last year Uh um i I don't think necessarily he's a negative rpm player i would adjust him to a slightly above average um rpm player so a a net zero Mm -hmm. as opposed to a negative um, so I'll make slight adjustments like that. What I, ha- what I do is I have my model that's pure simulation. Mm-hmm. And then I have a copy of that that I make my adjustments to. Okay. And that's ultimately what I end up using um, for my, like when I talk about my projections. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll put it out, you know, before, the, I put it out once at the beginning of the year and then I don't touch it. So I've got my, my one, my one sanctity, you piece freeze of sanctity. It in amber. You know, this is, yeah, yeah, this is, the, hey, here it is. You want receipts? Here it is. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's there every year. Um, and I've been right there um, pretty much every year. I had under last year. I, I had the Blazers at uh, 46.8, so 47 well, you last were year. wrong about that, mister. Yeah, I know. Um, I had them, I think, at 42 point something uh, the year before when they won 44. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe their, their over-under was 41 and a half that year, too, or 40 and a half. I think it was right where it was. Um, but... So yeah, for the most part, like I, I'm pretty good on this. So I, and I think that Vegas is the line here is good. I know a lot of people are like, oh, bet the over, bet the over, bet the over. Portland is due for some bad injury luck, and I know, <gasps> knock on all the Dan, wood, but don't say those th- things th- out loud. Yeah, I know the basketball gods they 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 come around. Like they, Portland has not had anybody of consequence miss serious time in almost three years. Like that's that's nuts. Like that's 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 crazy. Well, so, I mean, uh, so like no one's had like a year long or a or season two ending month long thing since a, a, a six eight week. Yeah, I mean, Wes was it. Mm-hmm. Like nobody else has had anything. Nurkic just came to like the last game of the season, so that didn't count. I mean, yeah. this was in the middle of the season. And it, again, we're only talking about a couple weeks here or there. Yeah. Like two two to three week injuries. Yeah, they suck. But we're not talking about, you know, yeah. Chris Paul missing a huge chunk of the season. Steph Curry right. missing a huge chunk of the season. Well, like, don't give the basketball that, gods any ideas. Hey, I'm just saying, just statistically speaking, Portland is due. So, well. um, I, uh, that, that 41 and a half scares me a little bit. I'm, like I said, I'm slightly higher on it. Uh-huh. But again, these these are numbers used to generate bets, and I, I think the reason why that number is so low is because Vegas, like any other person out there who's smart about building these models and to drive these bets, is thinking that Portland is due for some some bad injury luck, and that will cause Portland to fall down. And, and at forty one and a half, if you're looking at how they structure it, they do have the Portland Trailblazers missing the playoffs. Uh-huh. So, yeah. and that's, that's, that also mirrors what ESPN put out. Well, we have a lot more to talk about. The other reason they put out these betting odds is to give us something to talk about in the off season. And I think mm-hmm. that for this and week, we're thankful for that. Yes. I think for this week, we've probably just about done as much as we possibly can. And hopefully next week, somebody will put out something else or somebody else will have a press conference that we can talk a whole bunch about. Um, but I think that's probably, we should probably wrap it up here. Do you have? Yeah, when we're pining for press conferences, that's a problem. I know. It was uh, first. It was when we were um, hoping for Michael Beasley, and now we're hoping for press conferences. That's that's what we've become. Please, somebody <laughs> talk to me. Well, in any God. case, it's been good to talk to you. Um, I can be found at TCB Biggs on Twitter, and you can find the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. Why don't you take us out of here? All right, folks, you can find me on Twitter at DMarang, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. We are a part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Radio Network. Like, subscribe, rate, and do all those good things on iTunes. Unsubscribe, rate, review, do it all over again. Um, because we'd like to take advantage of things. Uh, as far as things coming up for the Blazers Outsiders, the Rip City Cornhole Tournament is taking place August 19th at the Motor Center Parking Garage region area. Uh, Joe Shane and I will be down there. Um, Playing cornhole. Uh, if you want, you can get down there and get to take part of the. I still can't Rip understand City. this or picture this or understand what's going to happen. Like, 
I, I guess I'm just gonna have to come see it. Like, you're, you're gonna have to come down there and see it. It's not like it's not like it's that far. Come on. Is it like yeah. multiple cornhole games going on all at once? Oh yeah. Leading up to oh, it's yeah. like an elimination tournament. Yes. And are, are these like tournament. already established competitive cornhole teams? Or I I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming there'll be there'll be some cornhole ringers. Uh huh. Like, they, like there are professionals out there. Like there's act, cornholes actually on ESPN. I, know, I saw that. When did that become a sport? <laughs> I, don't know. I just, I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of you sports, Blazer Five yeah. Gaming lost this weekend. I don't want to talk about it. Yet, yeah, see, I told you, told you last week. You know, it's them. your fault. It's your fault. If you hadn't <laughs> pointed it out, it never would have happened. So thanks a lot, yeah. Dan. I was totally blaming this one on you. All right. Yep. So that's 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 it for us uh, as far as the Outsiders crew. We got some cool, cool other cool things coming up that we'll hopefully be able to announce here in the coming weeks. Other than that, folks, um, thanks for listening. Catch us next week. If you've got questions, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram, uh, Blazers Edge, um, Twitter as well. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care, everybody. Bye.